Hello, good evening everyone. So welcome to episode 33 of Tetarik with Walid and today we are going to have a light-hearted session but not really as well because we will be discussing a review of the movie Our Girls Go Army but it's more than just about the movie because I think the movie does discussions on the movie I think point towards a broader discussion right on the generational divide or even cultural shifts and changes in our society so today i am delighted to have i think she is the youngest guest i've had on before uh, i think i think she is for sure and i think by far as well and she is a digital content creator at rice media and she wrote a review of the movie uh, for rice media and it was one of the i just checked just now It is one of the top five uh, most read or engaged with articles on Rice Media for the year. Uh, so well done to her. Her name is Juliana Frederica. So I will uh, have her on, and she will discuss. Hello, hi, Steph. So we will discuss the issues, and she will give her take uh, as an informed person. She was tasked by Rice Media to review the movie. Uh, but as also someone who's much younger than I am, and maybe even between uh, between her and me, uh, there is a minor, a minor or a mini generational gap. Okay, uh, so we will uh, be discussing that. So let me just accept her request. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Um, what am I? I'm a millennial. <laughs> eh, I'm a Gen Z. Sorry, I'm a, I'm I'm like like the older Gen Z. Hi, happy to be your youngest guest. <laughs> and just a disclaimer. Yeah, I will just a disclaimer. I fully volunteered to watch Uncle's Boy. <laughs> okay, okay. So I yeah, don't know whether that's a good thing or. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, so thank you so much, Julie, for coming on. And no problem. I I think Rice Media has been pretty supportive as well, right, of your uh, appearance here. Uh, of so course, yeah. Yeah, because usually the uh, every person who comes on, you know, not every, but a lot of people come on, they'll say, "Oh, I do not represent my organisation at all." Because I mean, that's a disclaimer that doesn't need to be made, right? Because all of us ultimately right. represents ourselves on uh, ourselves only. But anyway, so uh, thank you for that. So maybe before we start, maybe you can give a brief summary of the movie and what were your main issues with it. Okay, I mean, I also need to make a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> These are my views. They don't represent Rice's views, and I think that's what's great about Rice, right? And the fact that they were supportive of me coming on here is that we should appreciate a diversity of opinions. Um, and again, basically, I volunteered to watch the movie because I really wanted to understand what the actual movie is like. Like the the movie got a lot of negative comments before it was even released. But I really wanted an objective view, and I went into it knowing that I'm not the target audience. Um, so I was really trying to understand the purpose of the movie and how this appeals to the audience that actually liked it because there is a sizable number of people who actually enjoy it. Um, the the issues that I have with the movie, <laughs> um, if I may summarize them, basically there's just too many uh, stereotypes about women that borderline. I not not really borderline, but to me, it's actually really harmful to women in real life. 
And then I felt like there was a lack of intentional direction, you know, for, for someone who's been a director for so many years. It was really appalling for me to watch through the two hours and be like, okay, what's the point of this scene? What's the point of that character? You know, I don't understand what's going on. I think that was me throughout the whole movie. Um, yeah, so basically I did not understand the point of the movie. Um, it's basically about women, but to me it felt very degrading. Uh, as a woman watching it, I felt pretty insulted. Um, if if it's about, you know, trying to convince the audience whether women can go to NS or not, I think it actually convinced me that women cannot go to NS based on the movie. And I think the other thing, which is actually, you know, a very personal um, reflect, reflection is the lack of a trigger warning, which I think we will talk about more yes. later on. Yes, yeah. we will. We will. Thank you. Thank you so much. So apparently, uh, the the sound is not too good on my side, uh, so I have to be okay. louder. So I'm I'm not shouting. Okay. So thank you for that. And I just uh, wanted to pick up on on what you said, right? So, uh, by the way, a disclaimer on my part also. So I I didn't watch the movie. I've I've never watched uh, Jack Neo movies. I'm not a Jack Neo fan. Uh, no, I think uh, everyone can hear you well, Julie. I think it's just on my side. Uh, so the the issue is, but today, even though I have not watched it, I will try to play the role of a person who's supportive of Jack New movies. Okay, so just just for us to get uh, this discussion going, right? So okay, so the first one, uh, so a person who likes the movie, right, would say that, well, these young people, right, everything they want to be politically correct, right, uh, and there is no, I mean, they they are not making jokes. Uh, in the public sphere, right? This is a movie. This is entertainment. So why can't they exaggerate or play on stereotypes, right? And I mean, mm. you you definitely have uh, do not remember this, but maybe you have watched it. Have you watched Army Days? Yes, I watched, watched it. Army Days? Oh, yes. <laughs> to to prepare for this, so that I have a like I have a reference point because I'm like, oh my god, this movie is so bad. I don't know what to refer right, right. it to. So, so Army yeah. Days also played on stereotypes of. Right. Singaporean boys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was at a different time, right? Singaporean boys were forced to go to army and clearly incompetent and blur and all of that. So mm-hmm. what's different? And is it the only thing that is different is because society is too politically correct today? I think first I need to ask you to define for me what is politically correct. So I can make sure I understand things. Right, okay, so uh, I was hoping that you could define that. Uh, but let's say, uh, let's say uh, this idea that everyone, everywhere we, it seems that like we are walking on eggshells around people. Nobody can uh-huh. really say what they really believe about something. And in the past, right, uh, if there were jokes that were made in polite company, right, people accepted that these were jokes and these were not harmful, right? And especially mm-hmm. more latitude is given to entertainers, right? Comedians, for instance, right? They mm-hmm. are the ones who make jokes all the time about certain stereotypes. But usually they make with a broader a broader purpose, right? Uh, and whether mm-hmm. it's local comedians or international, whether the American comedians that we are also familiar with. So uh, that the shift in societal values in being too sensitive, such that we cannot talk about so many things, that is... Probably political correctness in a nutshell. Okay, that is interesting. Um, geez, let me. There's so much to unpack there. But I yeah. guess 
Um, maybe first I can start with the fact that a lot of comedy um, includes stereotypes, which I agree. Um, and I do think that it depends on a person's comfort level. For me, uh, I'm a bit too hypersensitive to all these stereotypes. So I would rather not watch comedy that plays on stereotypes. But to other people, it's completely okay. And I think that's fine. It's just a matter of uh, comfort level. Like Similarly to, to Jack Neal's movie, there might be people who like his humor. And that's fine. I think it's based on their own experiences. And I don't think it's right to blame them. But I think what what's the issue is the fact that um, these stereotypes can be harmful, right? So, like, I think, like, we should see beyond just being on a screen. It actually plays into real life. So, for example, I think, like you mentioned, Army Days also uh, played on stereotypes. But it's, it's different there because in that movie, the stereotypes that they presented, there was actually, like, a purpose to it. So, there was this uh, male character who really cared a lot about his ex- uh, his appearance, his vanity, right? So he was walking into the shower with like this really fancy, you know, towel wrapped yeah, around his I head. That, yeah. and, and he carried like uh, his like makeup bag, the makeup pouch. And like um, the other recruits who were also males teased him and said, hey, are you like going for a beauty pageant or something? And he was very self-assured. He said, you know, I've spent the whole day you know, training. Why can't I take care of myself? And then the recruits to that, the recruits replied, like, you know, can, can, which is, you know, the purpose here is to show that, you know, you can, I guess, in a group of friends, right? It is acceptable to, sorry, lose me there, sorry. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. You said in a group yeah. of friends, it's acceptable. In a, in a group of yeah. friends, I feel like it is acceptable to tease someone, to make light of a situation. And in this case, the purpose is to show that this male, even though it's in a way it's not like conventional for males to care about their beauty, like that's the stereotype, right? But he is being self-assured in the movie and even his friends were okay with it after they teased him. They're like, can, you know, no problem, you can do whatever you want. But in Agles Go Army, 30 minutes into the two-hour movie, they were still being reprimanded for having manicured nails. And to me, it's like, first of all, these are such basic rules. It's like when you go to school, you also know there are like very basic rules. Like no one goes to, you know, a certain institution knowing the rules and like doing very frivolous things like having nails. I felt like that was pretty pointless. That was a very heavily played on stereotype that to me did not add anything to the story and to me was actually insulting. Like it's demeaning to women to think that we become in not knowing the right mindset. And so I watched the movie with my colleague Lily, and Lily actually interviewed like um, real SAF officers who are female. And they, and they agreed that the portrayal of the, you know, recruits being like very vain, very frivolous, hanging like fairy lights in their, uh, in their cabinets and like having stuffed toys and all that kind of stuff. It is um, a very simplistic view of the officers and but it's can, downright can insulting. I, can I ask you? So, uh, definitely, for sure, I think the, the women who join SAF, for sure, they will not be the, the types that are portrayed in the movie, right? The, the, the average woman who joins, joins the SAF is, is fitter than I am, can easily kick my ass, I think, right? Mm-hmm. 
but these are regulars, right? These are not NS people who are forced to, right? And mm-hmm. that's the difference, right? So I guess I, I'm not sure whether interviewing SAF female regulars because even even in the even in the army days, that was for the mm-hmm. boys who were forced to go to NS, right? The regulars will not behave like those boys as well, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So wouldn't wouldn't there be a difference between people who volunteer who are much better, much fitter, much more equipped versus and that difference goes for men and women, right? So is it really mm-hmm. is it really a problem if, uh, in that sense? I don't think it's a problem if you paint it that way, but just based on gender stereotypes, right? I'm not talking about like is it their first time or are they regulars or not? I think it's just and I think we need to think of the larger context of like women in real life are already um heavily criticized. And I think another media publication, their review of Agar School Army is like you are uh putting down and teasing and making fun of a group that's already uh so much so made made fun of so much in real life. So what's the purpose of doing that in a movie where like women are conscripted to go to NS? I think for me, going into the movie, I expected the movie to kind of um, convince me that women can do well in NS. But unfortunately, the movie convinced me otherwise because it really portrayed women right. as very weak. And the difference, right. I think the difference with Army Days is at the right. end of it, the yes, boys yes, yes. actually learned right, right, right. to improve yeah, of yeah, it. There was, but... there was a success at the end where they, they yes. became the odds. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. I didn't watch the girls' army. So there wasn't anything of that, of that sort in this. There wasn't anything of that sort in a girls' army. No, there was barely any thought <laughs> development or character <laughs> development. Okay, but now that I think that is a, an extremely valid criticism, right? Because mm-hmm. I think if if you saw in the conscription for boys that there was a different outcome, like all of them sort of right. boomed, you know, after that three months. So I think that mm-hmm. that's definitely a, a problem. Uh, so I do, I do accept that. Maybe, maybe can I ask you? I mean, there are a few comments here from Megan and Audrey uh, and Angie and Steph, and uh, maybe can I ask you? So you said it, this is a group that is already made fun of in real life, right? So mm-hmm. what are the groups that are not made fun of in real life that can be made fun of in movies that will be acceptable? Because it seems like some groups uh, for people who are say, who are more politically correct, right? Uh, they would say some groups are more protected species, right, than others. And therefore, you cannot make fun of these groups, right? So, what are the groups that it's fair game to make fun of? I don't know how to have a very objective <laughs> answer to this. As a woman myself who has been um, you know, there's a lot of lived experiences right. of being discriminated so I against. And I think I agree. Yuli also probably agrees. Uh, <laughs> I have no comment. <laughs> okay, Yuli doesn't agree. I agree. Politicians, uh, I think, is fair game. So Angie says men. I don't know whether she's saying it in tongue, tongue in cheek. Uh, but maybe, is it men or is it, uh, is it Chinese men? Or in America, is white men, but brown men should not be made fun of. Uh, so what, so only we can make fun of the majority only and not the minority. So how does it work then? Well, I I don't think I have the authority to call them. Right, right. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Because, I, I mean, because you mentioned the idea, uh, the, the review that uh, was saying that since they were already made fun of 
in real mm-hmm. life, right? Then therefore, uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it's something for us to think about, uh, especially for entertainment. We are talking about in the context of entertainment, right? We are not right. talking about a politician making a statement. I mean, that's a completely yes. different context, right? So mm-hmm. should there be latitude for entertainers to talk about? Yeah, yeah, precisely. So uh, Megan's question, right? Are there should there be boundaries around comedy? So Yuli, I don't know whether you followed uh, the controversy that Megan was engulfed in uh, on oh. TikTok, which is a horrible place. Uh, then I, I did not like people, and it was super toxic. That live, like the comments, like people were just slamming us. But basically, it was the question, the central question of that live was, uh, what are the boundaries for? Uh, comedy. What are the boundaries, or should there be boundaries for comedy? Wow. I mean, my personal perspective again, it like it really depends on your personal experiences. What might be funny to you might not be funny to another. So I really yeah. don't know if there should right, be boundaries. Right. I mean, okay, like I guess let's go beyond comedy because very frankly, I don't watch a lot of comedy. <laughs> Really? And is I think it, it, is, is, it, is, it is. Um, I think yes because I'm not very comfortable with certain jokes. Um, I'm very. I think I have difficult experiences with jokes being made about me, so I prefer not to watch it. But I think in the broader context of media, right, and what can be said about media, and who, yeah, what they can say in media, who gets to say what? I think, like, there is harm, of course, in policing media too much, and I think that's why. The standards of uh, what's at whatever is in the media is as low as it is today. It's the reason why people like Jack Neil movie, uh, you know, the standards are really low. But I think like it comes with the fact that there are a lot of uh, boundaries that uh, around media in Singapore, right? So there is the IMDA where you, you do need to go to them to to have certain guidelines to have your movie rated accordingly, lah. Um and you know, the guidelines are pretty vague. Um, in this case, right, I think I'm going to jump on to the next point, which is, sure. um, so I mentioned earlier there was a trigger warning that I thought was, that would have been helpful. Um, sure. It's a trigger warning. I'm going to talk about suicide. Um, yeah, yeah. So basically, there was a suicide um, scene in the movie. And as someone who has lost loved one to suicide, um, I would have appreciated a trigger warning because that was a bit difficult for me to watch. But then I think when I was talking to you about this, you're like, you know, what else do we need trigger warnings for? You know, is it only suicide? You know, and and I agree that. And I also thought that, you know, this suicide thing might not affect many people. You know, having a trigger warning for it might not be beneficial to as many people as I think. But I think it's similar to like having like, uh, allergens on food labels it's good to have it's meant to protect those who do have allergies but a majority of people don't have allergies right but it's meant to keep people safe lah, to keep right. them away from harm and i think the same thing applies to media right like guidelines exist to protect people from harm and i think i'm gonna use another example of like um there are recently i saw like this media outlet, they actually put content warning for trypophobia, which is fear of holes. And to me, I was like, why do you need a content warning for that? 
you know, it's just holes. Like you can just like not look at it and move on. But it's because I don't know the impact of that phobia, right? What it triggers in someone. And I think having like these guidelines, content warnings, trigger warnings, it really depends on the level of awareness that the audience has. Because let's say 20 years ago, like having a, a trigger warning about suicide wouldn't have been important and necessary because like awareness about suicide then was very low. It was stigmatized. It was taboo. But today it is, it is significantly more important to have a trigger warning because people are more aware of the impact of it. Yeah, I think that's okay. yeah. where the line is. And right. I think if, if I may mention another guideline, um, so a bit, a bit, <laughs> a bit touchy, but it's about race. And so IMDA also has guidelines uh, regarding race. And I'll read it out lah, for you, okay? Uh, don't take okay. things out of context. But is it is this still related to the trigger warning? Or is yeah, it separate? So oh, yeah. it is. So it's about you know the general guidelines surrounding yeah, what's shown. Yeah. So classification should be sensitive to the concerns of different racial or religious groups and need to safeguard racial and religious harmony. Mild racial or religious stereotyping may be classified at a lower rating, while stronger depictions will require a higher rating. So based on this, right? If you like, there have been instances where films or plays just because they mention certain racial issues, they get an, an M18 rating, which yeah. to some might not be fair because you're like that is comparable to something that has sexual content. But this uh, is just talking about race. So the guidelines here are kind of vague, right? And right. I think like on on the authority side there needs to be some updating regard with regards to like the audience's comfort level so Oh, you're preaching to the congregation. If <laughs> it's about <laughs> if it's about the government guidelines and reducing, oh, oh, I'm all in. Okay, so but but isn't that precisely the problem? Because the people who are more politically correct, they are actually also calling for more government intervention in a certain way. They just want the government to intervene on their side, right? They are not calling for less government intervention, but but we'll get to that. Because I think mm-hmm. uh, it's a very intelligent audience we have, and there are many, uh, many uh, brilliant comments. I'll just read them out, and then we'll get to the trigger warning part. So uh, Steph says that I think you can make fun if there is a purpose, but uh, our girls go army was was doing all these jokes without the purpose. Uh, Maggie, um, Megan also said uh, there is no larger purpose except a cash grab comedy movie. Then is that wrong? For a director to whose sole purpose is to make money, is that wrong? I mean, that's something we can discuss uh, later on as well. Uh, and Audrey asked, should the boundaries evolve with the times? Then Angie asked, Angie is a, a content creator herself. Uh, she's an illustrator. She said, why should there be boundaries and restrictions upon what comedians or creatives can create? Irfan said, maybe it's not that we can make fun of the majority of those who have privilege. But it's more that harmful stereotypes propagated by these jokes are more harmful to certain minorities and groups. And a question we can think about is, are jokes really that harmful if done in a context where it is people go there to be entertained? Then what is mm-hmm. the level of the harm of that, of that joke? Uh, and yeah. somebody you know pretty well, Shukrina, uh, says, I think you can poke fun when it doesn't tie directly to the person's identity. Then I guess, I guess, 
if you extend that, anything can be broadly related to a person's identity, right? So basically, we can never make fun of another person or another group. Or uh, so I, I think there was one more comment. Lian said the type of comedy betrays the paradigm. Good comedy probably interrogate the paradigm and its assumptions through stereotypes. This one, I think, is a very powerful point. Good comedy usually is intended to overturn the stereotypes, usually, right? But then again, who's to say what is good? I agree. I agree that for me, this is good comedy. But the fact that Jack Neo makes millions, and I, I do not, only 60 people view my life. <laughs> uh, maybe that tells us something that other people disagree with us, and or what the definition of a good comedy is. I think we'll get to that uh, later on. And Sarah asked, and I'll end with this uh, with this comment: uh, Shouldn't the responsibility be on the filmmakers or content producers uh, to lead the conversations for this content and trigger warnings, and not dependent on the audience? And I think I wanted to uh, to ask. Uh, oh, Saim uh, mentions that good comedy always punches up, which I agree with also, right? Uh, but the question is, uh, does comedy always need to punch up? Can it punch up and punch down at the same time? Uh, okay, so all those, I think, are broad questions. Okay, I intended for today to be 45 minutes. Maybe we have to do two hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as you right? Like, yeah, please. <laughs> and this is better content, by the way. Uh, yes. Anyway, so, uh, so on trigger warning, right? So, so you ha everybody has a story, right? So your story is that you lost a loved one to suicide, right? And I lost, I lost a loved one. I lost my dad to a a heart attack, and he he got a heart attack in public, and he passed on. So heart attacks are triggering to me, right? Every time I hear mm -hmm. of it, immediately a lot of emotions and. Uh, a, a lot of sentiments, a lot of feelings go through um, my mind and my very soul, right? So last year I lost a couple of children, right? And I saw them pass on in front of me, right? They literally breathed their final moments in front of me. And I had to carry both of them in my arms. Until today, until today, whenever I see a baby, I am extremely triggered. Not even a miscarriage. I see a living baby. I am extremely triggered, right? A lot of thoughts and emotions run through, right? So should I, should we have trigger warnings? So a movie should have a trigger warning for heart attack, for cancer, for violence, for, for oh, this movie features babies, right? So, mm -hmm. Because my point is everyone has a story, right? So ultimately it's a trigger warning. And maybe this is the generational thing, right? Is it ultimately uh, a desire, a desire to... Uh, by the way, somebody just just texted uh, me too, uh, as an in terms of uh, going through uh, going through uh, loss uh, of children. Mm -hmm. uh, so they are triggered whenever they see a baby. So does that is the the idea of trigger warning basically us wanting to be shielded from things that would make us slightly uncomfortable? And isn't life uncomfortable? And we are going to. Uh, go through all of this in life and there will be no trigger warnings in life? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. Um, I... Let me see. Let me try to piece my thought. But I don't think the onus is on media to, you know, be, to use trigger warning as like 
the baseline, right? Um, I think what's more important is for society as a whole, beyond what we see on screen, to be trauma-informed. So I actually wanted to leave out that point about like, oh, this movie should have a trigger warning because like I said, it, it didn't seem too important. And um, I would say because I go to therapy and I've been working through my own triggers, you know, it's been a few years. So when I watched it, it was pretty decent to me. Like I just felt like, you know, it could have uh, been helpful to have it. And I think that probably... Um, yeah, like life is uncomfortable, everything is uncomfortable, but I think it's about how sensitive we are towards people. I think um, perhaps watching a lot of movies, I don't think there's a lot of sensitivities um, uh, that's involved when you talk about difficult topics like suicide. And I cannot comment on like heart attack and cancer, you know, of course, that would be very difficult if you want to mention all of that. But I think the core of it is really that we should be a more trauma-informed uh, society and that there should be sensitivity like placed into um, whatever media that we put out. And I think I specifically thought that suicide is important because um, research has shown that, you know, media reporting about suicides do increase, uh, does increase the risk of more suicides happening. And this, so you can see like a few years ago, like Bedok Reservoir is actually a hotspot for suicide. And it's because like it's constantly reported in the news and people kind of perceive that Bedok Reservoir is an easy place to, to do a suicide attempt. So that for suicide, I know those are the dangers and that's why I thought that it's important. But I'm not sure, I'm really not sure about like, you know, cancer and death. Um, yeah, I just think as a whole, it's not so much about, um, the warning itself, but it's about how sensitively it's being approached. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, I cannot uh, speak to your experience. Right? I, I've never lost somebody uh, to suicide. Uh, although, uh, I mean, I can share that. Uh, I, I think it was during lockdown or slightly after lockdown, uh, during the COVID period, I was playing uh, football with my son just, just nearby my, my home. So, as we were playing 10 meters from us, somebody just jumped down right in front of us. So in front of my son and in front of myself. Uh, so we witnessed it firsthand, right? So it's, again, potentially triggering for my, for my son especially, right? Uh, but I guess, do, do we really want to... I mean, this is... Uh, so the, the question by Megan, who's also a content creator, right? She said, mm -hmm. it's difficult to na navigate because in the arts, we ask for less censorship. But trigger warnings are markers of more censorship, right? Uh, so how do we draw the line between censorship and sensitivity? And maybe trigger warning is not censorship per se, but it's uh -huh. political correctness, right? So my, my worry is already in society, right, we do not have the, the full latitude to pursue the craziest, the most controversial ideas, right? And I always mm -hmm. felt like the arts is the last bastion of that, right? And you only know where the line is when people have crossed the line. And it's usually yeah. the artists, the comedians, the entertainers yeah. who cross the line. And then mm -hmm. it serves an example for the rest of us, right? So I feel that we are not even allowing them to do that. Mm -hmm. right? So we are calling for more restrictions, for more... Uh, I mean, I don't know whether trigger warnings is part of that as well, but I guess, uh, how do you balance then? Sensitivity versus the latitude to pursue the fullest of their 
ambitions and aspirations and ideas firstly i don't think trigger warnings are about political correctness again i said i think it's um a way to prevent harm um and then you're right like the boundaries especially for the arts are not clear and i am a content creator myself every day i grapple with the thought of will i be cancelled for this so i think that's like this a constant um uh question that us creators have to grapple with and it is also a responsibility that we have to make sure that our content is sensitive enough and i think because of the nature of things today people are a lot more socially aware it's just a sign of the times i guess that we do need to um adapt we do need to be more sensitive because um there really like you know everyone has um a device everyone is able to access whatever content you're putting out from like babies to like elderly people you really never know like who can come across your content and how much harm um it can have so i think as a content creator personally i always think about um am i harming am i am i causing any harm through this and if i don't think there's any harm that comes from it then i think i've got my basis covered but in the event that harm does come of it and we can never foresee this right it's it's always yeah. a learning experience it's never yeah. black or white but i think this is maybe something um singapore society as a society needs to accept that, that not everything is black and white like right like there will be different comfort levels and yeah. we will always need to work around this yeah yeah one one thing i i completely agree on on that final point i think nuance is almost dead in conversations right i mean uh, people mm-hmm. want to view things through black and white just one final point on this uh, so uh, love oceans uh, asked uh, from a psychological aspect or standpoint do trigger warnings really work in reducing trauma a trigger warning essentially helpful or harming and i actually looked this up and it seems like there's some debate within the the community of psychologists as well so professor mm-hmm. jonathan hyde for instance has is a firm uh, firm believer that trigger warnings are more harmful than uh, helpful but i leave it to okay. the psychologists uh, to decide i think that's an, an empirical thing that we can uh, we can discern from more mm-hmm. data but i guess this what we are discussing is the philosophical what is the philosophy behind it right uh, and just one final point on this right so if i am triggered by pictures of babies right uh, is it the onus is the onus on me to mute people uh, or uh, to not be too triggered or is the onus on everybody else to never post pictures about their children I think it it definitely goes both ways as content creators I think we do need to be aware and I and I and personally for me even when I post on IG stories on like the daily basis um I think about okay is there anything that's happening today that if I post right now um it might not sit well with people like for example like if the covid cases are rising and then, and then I'm I'm posting something about I'm going out enjoying um and I'm posting a video of like so many people together without masks like that's insensitive right So the in that case the onus is on the creator to make sure that in the context that we're in that the content does not harm anyone but also as an audience yes i agree we do have um the duty as well to exercise our own like discretion and responsibility like i mute a lot of things i unfollow a lot right. of people for a lot of reasons and i think yeah, yeah, yeah. the 
fact is that we as people, we as individuals, as audiences, we have power. Like I don't, I don't, and I don't really agree with uh, giving power to the authority. I think the audience, especially in the case of media, has a lot of power. Like because media is created for you, right? And so you have the power to say uh, whether you like it or not. Like you can report it. You can ask for it to be taken down. Like there are many avenues to like circumvent this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. So, so I guess that's the then then the issue is what is uh, what is acceptable to everybody. Because if I were to post something based on whether people are gonna be offended or something like. Anything I say is potentially offensive to somebody, right? Like, I could literally post "Good morning, everybody," and somebody could say, yes. "Oh, good morning, yes. your privileged world." <laughs> so, yes. so yes. I mean, then if we were to use that yardstick, I mean, would there any be any content ever created? I mean, that's that's uh, what I'm thinking, and I I'm trying to think about what what is the line as well, right? So I'm not uh uh content creator in that sense but I mean I do I do write and as a person who writes and and makes a living of writing and speaking I am always very worried when the boundaries for speech are drawn narrower and narrower and narrower right mm-hmm. uh, so I mean that's just something I guess uh, we can a- anything else you want to say on this before we move on to the next point and it's already 40 minutes oh gosh I mean <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just it's like inner work lah. You know, we talk about about like policies, guidelines, what, what, yeah, all this kind of stuff. But if you're an angry person, your anger is not managed and you're offloading your anger on social media, then it's a societal problem where people are just too emotional. They don't know boundaries. They're not sensitive towards others. Then it's really an individual issue. Like no matter how right. many guidelines have, it will not right. help that problem. I, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. I, I think, I think also for me, the way I do it is on personal issues, I am sensitive in posting things up. I don't need to post about how happy I am if I'm really happy, right? But if it's about ideas, right, I don't, I don't see a need to really manage feelings that much. Uh, because right. poten- if you're going to say something important, you're going to offend somebody, right? Right, sure. of course. Otherwise, Unless you say, oh, the world is all about love and blah, 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 all of that. And you'll never offend somebody if you say something very, very mundane or asinine. Uh, okay, so just final uh, word on this. I'll give, the, I'll give Sarah the final word on this. So I think Sarah says on an individual level, I think we should really do our best to manage our own triggers and have the agency to do that. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. So, so let's move on, right? So... What does a good Singaporean movie look like? Because you said that the the movie doesn't have a point, right? Uh, right. So does it need to have a point? Is it okay if it just makes people laugh and it makes money? And is that a good Singaporean movie? Or how would you define a good Singaporean movie? Oh, by the way, I we think... have Leon Pereira joining us. So, yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of youngest guests. <laughs> Um, to answer your question, um, what, I mean, let's not talk about, like, Singaporean movie. Let's talk about what makes a good movie. Like you said, is it okay if it's 
just meant to make you laugh. Then yes, the point is to make you laugh. But the problem with Agos Bo Ami, it did not make me laugh. So that's why I said the point, there was no point to the movie. Um, But a lot of people love, right? Yeah, so the point was fulfilled for them. But not for me and not for the sizable others who did not find it funny. So again, I say there's no, like, there, we need to acknowledge that there is, you know, this diverse opinion. Like there are people who like it, people who don't, people who just don't care about it. That's perfectly fine. Um, but I think what's good about this whole thing is the fact that it's actually starting this course about what is a good movie, right? Like before this, we didn't care. You know what goes out in in our local movies, and that's a good move. And I say this because I think arts is generally not supported in Singapore. It's seen as a privilege to the middle class because um, clearly we're moving towards a society that focuses more on STEM, on STEM subjects, right? So movies are luxury, reading is a luxury, but right now because there is a bad movie, people are actually talking about what's the What's the basis of a good movie? And I think that's a positive move. Um, and I think it's not about just movies. I think it extends to every um, industry and every sector in the art scene. And I point to like Singapore Art Week, right? Like Singapore Art Week to me is a normal thing. Like I'm an arts enthusiast. So this year, seeing the lines for Singapore Art Week, I was like dropped dead shocked. And to me, that is a good sign that. You know, although people may be going there just because, like, there aren't many things to do in Singapore. It's the pandemic, and that's why we're just enjoying this. I think it's still a good move to slowly get Singaporeans introduced to like local arts and to support our local creative scene. Because I think another thing I needed to bring up is the fact that Jack Neo is probably one of the very few Singaporean directors in Singapore who can create a full-length feature film that is shown in cinema. Not many. Um, creators can do that because they lack funding, right? And so my issue with it is also like he has all of these resources, but then he just creates this lackluster movie that borderlines on harmful to some people, right? So you know, I think the difference is that you know when you have access to certain resources and you do have a certain level of authority, there is a bigger sense of duty to like. Create something purposeful, lah. I guess. I guess. Why? Why do we look to Jack Neo as a figure of moral authority? Why do we put that burden on him? Why do we put? Uh, why is Jack Neo supposed to play that function? I mean, because I think so. I think it's because he's trying to move on with the times, right? He's actually picking up is on he, trends, he's like just trying to he's, make money, right? But he is still trying to, you know, pick up bits and pieces of like female empowerment, and he actually released NFTs, and that's the main reason why I wanted to watch the movie. <laughs> I wanted the NFT. Oh, did, he, did he release? Did he release? Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like, like it, and again, he has characters. Like he had like a trans actress. He tried to be inclusive by having minority characters and like. And overweight um characters, so all of this kind of alludes to the idea that he is trying to step up to a higher standard. And honestly, I don't blame him if he can't reach a higher standard because he's not part of you know the younger generation that's a lot more socially aware. And I don't think the owner should be on him lah. It's just that 
right now like he is you know a, a figure of authority and if after this movie he's going to lose credibility then you know Wait, why, there's why that is he a figure of authority though i mean i agree that he's a rich uh, movie producer and director why is he a figure of moral authority right so so you mentioned uh, you mentioned that he is trying to be little woke i suppose right i mm-hmm. i'm always very very suspicious of corporations who use wokeness uh, i mm-hmm. i always feel like it's not that they are doing it to ultimately corporations are corporations they are doing it to make money and uh, if it's a good thing it's a good thing right so diversity is a good thing it's a good thing but a lot of times they use wokeness to uh, to hide the other things right to hide the corporate greed aspect and just throw a bone to people oh look uh, you know we are going green right Oh, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. greenwashing exactly as i was saying yeah. or we type it so we are going green oh look we have this minority that minority but all of them think the same way right i mm-hmm. am even more suspicious of that than a complete lack of diversity right so mm-hmm. i am not sure whether jack new is doing that to keep up with the trend or jack new just like every other corporate person is doing that because ultimately he's in it for the profit so Why? Why? When did entertainers become symbols of moral authority? I suppose, right? So, if I wanted a symbol of moral authority, right, I would look to my mufti, or I look to, <laughs> right, I look to uh, religious leaders. I'll, I'll ask what the Pope is doing, right? I wouldn't necessarily look it, uh, look for it in, uh, in the the media or the entertainment industry. Right? I guess it's that their job. Maybe the media, the mainstream media is slightly different, but entertainers—is it their job? I don't. I mean, I guess I speak for myself, lah. I just very, have yeah. very high standards, so I cannot, I cannot represent right. everyone else. I will be overgeneralizing, but for me, I think personally, as a creator, like my philosophy is always like to follow like certain rules of conduct, because like again, I said like content is created for an audience. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, so I think you you hold yourself to the highest standards, really. Yeah. Uh, I think that's uh, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's that's why you are in one. That's why I'm in Rice Media. Oh, okay. I mean, I have a lot to say about Rice Media. <laughs> SOP. Okay, we can not, save them. If we want to talk about higher standards and so on, but okay, we'll not we'll not go there. That's 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 yes. not the topic today. Uh, so. Uh, ultimately, you. I think you alluded to this already. Uh, who gets to decide what is the? Who gets to decide uh, whether something is good? Uh, and you say everybody gets to decide, and everybody will use their own standard, right? If that yeah. is the case, then there will be no objective standard of what is good, right, for a movie. Yeah, I guess so. Then why are we having this conversation then? If there's no <laughs> objective. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's that's the. I think that's the point I was trying to get at while watching the movie, right? I I I accepted that people are gonna like it and people are not gonna like it, and that's perfectly okay. We should not put the responsibility on Jack Neo to produce a movie that everybody likes. I think there was that certain responsibility, right? Like, why why are we using um Jack Neo as as a figure of authority or or like a moral compass? It's because there is an underlying perception. Of responsibility put on Jack Neo because he has a certain right. reputation, and I think like my point really is to just 
accept that there is no objective standard for like what what makes a good movie. Yeah. Right. Okay. So in that sense, uh, Jack Neo is not wrong to do whatever he did, right? Since there is no <laughs> no objective standard. Uh, of... <laughs> uh, no comment. I am very pissed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as I say, I'm not a Jack Neo fan, and I mean, uh, this session has only convinced me that I shouldn't be watching. Mm-hmm. Jack Neo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, yeah, but just yeah. go watch. I go to go. Um, yeah. Sorry, just go watch. Why? Don't don't watch. Don't watch. Oh, just don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not intending. <laughs> I'm not intending to. Okay, okay. So, uh, do you wanna just briefly uh, talk about? Okay, so somebody uh, Saiful mentioned that. This reminds him of the OLG saga and how they expected to be a moral standard, right? And I guess why why is it is it because they have a platform? What if that platform? I mean, not OLG in general, in general, right? That platform is popular precisely because it doesn't subscribe to doesn't subscribe to any moral standards and it's you know it's a free for all. Uh, then why are we expecting that? I'm not saying uh, I'm taking a stand either way. You know, I'm just I'm just mm-hmm. asking the question whether whether we should or we shouldn't, right? Uh, I guess for me, politicians, uh, I don't expect them to be moral authorities, right? Uh, but because they have political power, I do hold them to a different standard, right? Uh, and the media as well. Uh, and it's not it's not just about media having power, right? Uh, it's also the media portrays itself as arbiters of truth in some way, right? In some way, of of mm-hmm. objectivity, and that's why we must hold them to higher standards, right? And I'm thinking, right. if Jack New has never made those claims and he is not running for elections, uh, is it still fair for us to hold him to higher standards, right? Uh, and I think there is a case to be made uh, for for uh, holding him to higher standards. I'm just trying to think through. Uh, why exactly uh, we believe that? Right? Uh, I don't know whether you are familiar. Maybe you're not really uh, familiar with this. And the older ones in the audience, I mean, it's a very vibrant comment section today. Right? The older ones in the audience, uh, do you guys remember Triple Nine? Do you know Yuli Triple Nine? Nope, I have no so, idea what this is. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this movie that was, I'm uh, not movie, TV series that was very popular when I was. Uh, 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 primary school student. So, uh, and in that movie, I was start uh, by James Lai, uh, starring James Lai, and uh, who else were in that movie? I think Annabel Francis probably. No, no, no not VR. I have no idea. Right. Anyway, so there is a point to this. There is a point to this. So, okay. Uh, so you had ASP Punk. Yeah. So I can't give the game away. So you had ASP Punk, ASP Ganesh, Inspector Mike D'Souza. You had. Staff Sergeant Alan Chan, I think, and then you had Corporal Halim. Right? Okay. Corporal Halim. So the only Malay in the show was the guy with the lowest rank. <laughs> the only uh. Malay that they could think of. Now, Halim yeah. Ubeng is watching. <laughs> okay, I anyway, a lot of uh, old jokes coming out. So uh, the only Malay that they could think of. Now, I am pretty sure, pretty sure that they didn't go out of their way to be racist, right? Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think they went out of their way to do that. Uh, but it's still troubling that right. 
the only Malay they could think of was a corporal, right? I would say Channel Four mm-hmm. have moved, have, has moved uh, leaps and bounds beyond beyond that today. I mean, the portrayal is much better. So when I look at that, right, and I reflect on it, I, I mean, I still think it's a problem, right? That there was that portrayal, right? But right. the problem is a deeper problem. It's not a media corp uh, problem or at that time TCS, right? It was a right. societal problem, and people who were making it making these shows, right, were thinking like that. And it happened to be reflected in the movie, right? So this is, this is my final question, right? Uh, okay. Isn't, isn't Jack News movie, aren't Jack News movies uh, successful because people enable them, right? And therefore, actually, maybe you and I, we are in our liberal bubble, right? And actually, so we are out of step with uh, society, Right. Oh, by the way, Angie, I wasn't looking at old works with current lenses. At that point in time, I already saw the only Malay they could think of. Uh, was, mm. <laughs> even in yeah. primary school, secondary school, I was already thinking that. But, but I do agree, mm. maybe it's a problem to let old works with current lenses. But right. anyway, my point is, maybe we are the ones, you and I are the ones who are out of step with uh, mainstream society, and we are in our own bubbles, in our own social media uh, circles, where actually people do not uh, do not think like us. What do you think about that? I think knowledge is a privilege. So just like what is popular might not be good. I think that's the basis, right? So just because we are a liberal or more work, whatever term you want to use it, like I think it, it alludes to the fact that we are in a way more privileged to certain resources, certain knowledge. And... Um, it's not like we can't pin it to the mainstream who might not be as aware about certain issues because they might not have had the same access of knowledge as we do. Like for me, like, um, I don't know if I can mention, I'm just going to mention, but I'm also um, co-founder of Lepak Conversations. And the basis of that is how it really started was me realizing that there was certain knowledge that I did not have access to because of my education level. And I only had access to it because my co-founder is um, a university graduate. And I think that after I worked on Lepak Conversations and I clearly had more resources and I was exposed to a lot more um, knowledge, right, that definitely expanded my worldview. I would say before that, I was pretty like narrow-minded. Like, I'm going to put that straight out. And I don't think it was my fault. Right. It was, in a way, a problem of access. I did not have access to this because I did not have a university education. But I could understand it because um, they, I, I have better... I'm, I'm good at language. I'm pretty quick to learn things anyway. So that's why like that worked to my advantage. But not everyone is like that. Or not, not everyone, even if they do have access to knowledge, it might not be in a language that they understand. So... I don't think, yeah, it's, it's the fault of, like, the mainstream if they have very different standards. I think the issue is that we should probably focus on trying to bridge the gap between these two uh, groups of people. What if the, uh, the difference, the source of the difference is not a lack of knowledge, but just different values then? Then what? Oh, I don't know. You can ask the Mufti. 
what do you bring the mom say as and he has to go through enough <laughs> i mean morals are no things what like are we going to start like policing our morals then yeah yeah that's 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 my point right so the question is mm-hmm. because in your answer the implicit uh not implicit even it was explicit right so these people are not like us because they are less knowledgeable right uh and i would say that they, knowledge yeah yeah so they are uh <laughs> very clever way to <laughs> yes. so they have less access to knowledge right but in a way that may be a very elitist or condescending uh view as well right this is what the mm-hmm. pnp also says and people always slam <laughs> them for it right i mean you don't have right, the same right. access to information that we do right so when we do this are we falling into the same trap and what if it's not what if they actually know the discussions but they just disagree with it they just disagree with the idea that we need political correctness for instance that that's a mm-hmm. that's also a possibility right right yes i agree right okay so thank you so much julie i think you have really opened a a, a window into another world for people my age uh and a bit older than i am uh so so i guess our age difference is not that much but it's still significant right so so you can expect that more people my age are going to be people older than me are going to be even more they're going to have even more of these questions right as in why should we care about trigger warnings and all of that i think you are uh, you it was a good discussion i think you put up a, a very strong uh, argument for why we should have all of those uh, and again i just wanted to say i was really playing the devil's advocate role i don't necessarily agree with everything i myself said uh, maybe just the part on on trigger warning uh, just that mm-hmm. much. but the rest i was just trying to see how a genuine fan would think so any uh, any final words julie that you want to say yeah i think just generally for me as a creator myself i think it's encouraging that we are even having this discussion and beyond genuine i really hope uh, people will you know check out other um uh, independently produced movies like you can go to the projector you can go to the substation you can go to objectives there are many 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 avenues for you to support local creators um and also like alternative media <laughs> yeah actually i'm curious while it can i ask you one question sure you can ask me many what, questions yeah. what what's your general thoughts about agos go army oh so uh i my ultimately my ultimate uh consideration is uh freedom of speech and okay. i worry that i worry that a lot of times people on our side however you define our side right come comes with good intentions right they come with good intentions but what they end up is they end up narrowing the boundaries boundaries for speech more and more and more right and they always have good intentions and they will always come with some clever lines or clever sounding lines like freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences and so on right but my worry is you continue beating this drum right one day it will be used against you one day it will be used against you and that day may not be too far away because ultimately right who gets to decide these boundaries is dependent on power and it's not just dependent on political power it's also dependent on cultural power and today it may seem like people who hold on to these views have the cultural power that's why we are so bold in in drawing those lines but tomorrow we may not have the cultural power 
And if the shoe is on the other foot and people try to censor us, that, that's my biggest worry. So I always think I don't like Jack New movies, but I don't I don't go watch it, right? Uh, so I don't need to I don't need to I mean I can criticize it. I think I should be able to criticize it, but I don't think that he should apologize or he should be taken off. I definitely yeah. the last thing I want is for government involvement in, in this. Yeah. That's the last last thing. So Raikal mentioned yeah. tolerance uh, leading to in, uh, intolerance. What sometimes the term I use is liberal intolerance, which comes from a good place, of course. It's about protecting uh, people and all of that. So I don't know whether I answered your question and if you have any response to that. Any response? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's fair to be able to criticize, but we don't always need to expect consequences. And I think that's kind of yeah. the issue now with, with social media. Like, everyone yeah. wants, cons- like, I don't know, like, people are just trying to bring each other down. But why? Like, <laughs> why can't it be just, like, a, a learning opportunity for everyone? Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. For me, the idea is, I mean, the first instinct shouldn't be to cancel, right? The first instinct right. should be to discuss and debate and see where you went wrong. And even if the person really make, made an egregious mistake, then... Just apologize and then learn from it and move on, right? Let let he yeah. who has never seen throw the first stone, right? Uh, that's something I always say, right? So there's a question here by Bandung Ice Blend. On some level, do we then accept that power is always shifting? Yes, of course, power is always shifting, which is why we must be extremely wary of calls for more censorship, right? Because one day we may not, we we may be on the wrong side of power. So for us to have moral cons- consistency, we must defend that, right? And it's within, now, that doesn't mean within this, we accept that, oh, your opinion is right, my opinion is right. No, we can say that your opinion is completely wrong. This is why, but you shouldn't be cancelled for it. Let's debate it. Let's not de-platform, but let's debate it. And let me show you how stupid your ideas are. And let me prove that in public, right? If I am so confident in the veracity of my ideas, the strength of my ideas, I do not need to call for censorship, right? I mean, that's, I mean, ideally, but I know, of course, uh, we live in a very different world <laughs> now. As you said, I think you rightly, the word that you used was consequences. I mean, sometimes people are very bloodthirsty online. <laughs> and I know for sure there will be one day, one day and that day, where they will be calling for my blood for whatever reason. <laughs> okay, scare me. I thought you were going to say me. <laughs> I scared, I scared, please. <laughs> it, will, it, will, it will happen also. It will happen. You're going to do content, it will happen, right? Yeah, yeah, it will happen yeah, eventually. You're gonna do content. A lot of content is gonna happen, right? So I agree. So yeah, so I I never want people on my side to be cancelled. I never want people on the other side to be cancelled, right? So yeah, I yeah. hate Ben Shapiro, right? I hate him. I mean, I just I look at him. I cannot stand him, right? Uh, <laughs> but but I would never say, oh, Ben Shapiro should be jailed, for instance, right? He should be. Mm, yes, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. the fact that he has such a large following. Even if I hate him, I have to understand why people follow him, right? So, yep. so that's where that's where I mean that's where I come from. I understand that many people disagree with me, and that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, we can we can have a discussion on that as well. Yeah. So <laughs> no, no, we don't need justice for Ben Shapiro. <laughs> ben Shapiro doesn't need any sympathy from any of us. Okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, final word, Yuli. Just one final one, and then we'll end. This is already over an hour. Yeah. Final words. I mean, just, yeah, I guess the other thing is really to respect differences in opinion and be open to 
um, bridge that gap. I think that's the most important. Yeah. Okay, excellent. I think that is a very conciliatory note to end on. So thank you so much. I mean, if I didn't know, there is no way I would have guessed that you are in your early 20s or whatever it is, right? I mean, definitely... Uh, you have a level of maturity. I mean, far more mature than I was. Anyway. <laughs> okay, thank so you. thank you so much, Julie, for this. No problem. I thank you for having me. No, no, no. It was a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye, everyone. Good night. Hi. Thanks, everyone.